Octopus is a podcast created by three mates, Mitch, Kippy and Dillo. This eclectic trio will discuss all their favourite topics, beers, ball sports, beers, banter and so much more. They'd like to thank and give a huge shout out to podcast partners, Noodles, for exceptional graphic design and Visus, for streetwear from the Murray lands. So make sure you hit up both Noodles and Visus. Now it's time to sit back and prepare yourself for all the banter that is the Bearded Triplets. This is your game now, gentlemen. Welcome along to episode five, season one of the Bearded Triplets podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. As always, I'm joined by two of my good mates. And this morning we've got Kempi, who's hungover as sin. Thanks, Owen. Yes, I am <laughs> feeling very, very ordinary at the minute. A 4am finish is an ideal at my age, but we'll power on through. And we've also got Nico, or C.D. Cederson, as we like to call him. Um, rolls in every Sunday, C.D. is all hell. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit the same as Kempi at the moment. Battling away, but uh, yeah, good to go now, Mitchie. Let's do yeah, it. Perfect. Uh, so we, I reckon we got four in a row. What do you reckon about last week, Kempi? Was that Joker hit or...? Uh, I think so. I've had a bit of feedback saying it was pretty funny. <laughs> Thought maybe a little bit too far, but... Anyway. <laughs> All right, so we'll move into beards now. So let's go for five from five. Because if your dad doesn't have a beard, you've got two mums, two beardless mums. Okay, this week I've just got a nice little short, sharp and shiny one. Um, it's a little beard fact. And after last night's efforts on a, probably all of our behalfs, it's pretty relevant. Um, so they say if you drink an average amount of beer... So that's probably not us, let's be honest. But if you drink an average amount of beer in a year, your average length moustache can trap a pint and a half of beer. Wow. So obviously it's not beard related, but pretty much most people that have got a beard have got a moustache. Unless you're Amish. So, well, no, no, that's true. That's true. Mm. Yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting. A pint and a half, that's a hell of a lot of beer. I think I might have done that last night myself. <laughs> yeah. Depends how thick the beer is too, I guess. If you're having something stouty, you might... A bit meaty. Yeah. yeah. It's right. uh, $8 worth right there in, in the moustache, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're going to move into ball sports now, fellas. All right. Let's talk footy. What do we think, guys? Uh, the season's well and truly underway at the moment. Um, some interesting times ahead. Give us... Give me your observations. Yeah, well, I might start first. I've got to start with a question. He's probably the talk of the town at the moment. Is uh, Nick Natanui the new number one ruckman? Is he better than <laughs> Grundy and Gorn? Uh, no. He's, he's definitely in better form than Grundy. Um, yeah. Judging by my dream team scores as well. Um, yeah, right. But, but I... I I think, I don't know, the whole Ruckman position, like it's a valuable position, obviously, but just looking back over the past few premiers, like you look at Richmond, obviously they had um, Nan Curvis, who is a good Ruckman. Sean Gregg. Sean Gregg, um, Soldo. Yeah. And then when West Coast won it, they obviously had um, Vardy. Vardy. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know, like obviously Nick Nat's a really, really good player, but I don't know whether a ruckman, so to speak. Like, you need him to break even in a big game, I think, rather than dominate. But then you look back and you, you see your Dean Coxes in that and in the early, yeah. mid-2000s. So, he's like definitely he does, around the mark. Yeah, like, uh, he doesn't dominate, like, the stat sheet. Hang on, I'll get that out. He doesn't <laughs> dominate the stat sheet um, all that often in regards to disposals. It's more like impact it, and influence, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I think he's going better than Gorn and Grundy at the moment. And, it's making my West Coast call, um, that locket in Mitch, where I said they wouldn't make the eight pretty ordinary at the minute because <laughs> we've probably every one of their games left to be played at the Wacker. Like, I'm in all the sorts Wacker. of trouble there. Oh, the <laughs> Wacker. <laughs> they played at the Wacker. <laughs> I love it. Um, over at the Optus uh, Stadium where yeah. there's a car park under the oval. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny you mention him because I'm, I'm going to give him a bit of a mention later on, Kempi, but... 
I mean, I, I love what Nick Nat does in games, but yeah, you know, it's just the consistency. You know, you, you might have had a couple of good games, but you know, especially he's at the moment, he's not playing huge minutes at, at the moment. But obviously, mm. when he does, when he is on, he's almost impossible to stop. And you know, he's feeding guys like Shuey and those guys, you know, the, the footy on the, on the plate. But it's just not not consistent enough for mine. And you know, he, he's had his issues obviously with knees as well. Yeah. yeah, I, I think he says excuses with injuries. I think now he's hitting his straps. He's fully fit. Yeah, mm. so just on the year, um, he's averaging 9.9 disposals. Um, so that goes into what we were saying before about obviously doesn't get a heap of it. But he um, he often, not so much this year, but he usually hits the scoreboard a bit. Like, I don't know, in clutch, uh, in clutch situations. I remember a couple of years back, I reckon it was against GWS, he sort of robed his own ball and hit the scoreboard mm. when it mattered. Um, so I think mm. that's the sort of freakish sort of stuff that he can do. It's just like you got your gaffs, your yos, your shoeys, Kennedy, Darling, Kelly. They've got so many good players. So I guess it's hard for so many disposals left over for him to, you know, rack up. But yeah, yeah. It's not the sort of player he is though. He's not an accumulator, he's impact. You'd certainly want him in your team, but I think yeah, I just want want to see more consistency from before he's up there with a, a Grundy or Gorn, for example. Well, yeah, his centre his centre bounce works. You know, his bread and butter, and he's averaging thirty hitouts a game. So you take that in the shortened yep. quarters for sure. So. Yeah. Um, also, Saints. I reckon um, I'm liking the way they're going at the minute. Yeah, uh, I like watching them, but just, yeah, yeah, they yeah, that's I like watching them. I just think they've got a really good mix at the moment. So I reckon they'll play finals. I'll definitely um, play finals, yeah. Like they've got solid sort of workhorse midfielders, plus they've got a little bit of flair with like your Gresham and Billing and that. They've got a key forward in King that can kick some goals and memories a good support. And their back lines, you know, is honest enough that's hasn't been beaten too many times. Like so Hanabri's out for the year now. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, hamstring. Yep. But in saying that, here's a question without notice. Is he in their best 22 anymore? I think he is, but yeah, you know, he's certainly more more of a role player in, in the midfield for them, not like he was once at Sydney. Um, yeah, I think they're they're a better side with Hanbury out there. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, provides probably some leadership too for some um, of the younger guys. He's got to be I, in form though. Yeah, I've been impressed with Zach Jones. Like yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think he could. Like obviously, he played at Sydney as more of that halfback running style, but. Watching him obviously against my mob, um, we actually were pretty competitive. We butchered the ball, but obviously then they they knocked us off and they beat Port. Zach Jones, he just looked. I don't know whether he looks leaner or fitter or something, but he just covers the ground and he doesn't lose that speed. Like you yeah. know that burst player off the half back line, like for Essendon, you got Saad and McKenna and that. They're just like burst burst sort of players. But when you go in the middle, you sort of got to be have a bit of anaerobic anaerobic ability. And I, he hasn't lost anything. I reckon he's, he's tough as nails as well. Like he hits the contest and the man bloody hard. Mm. You don't want to get well, how how can he not get a game in Sydney's midfield? Like they, he's always off a halfback flank. Yeah, like, they do yeah. weird things with their midfield up in Sydney. Some Rude head too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about what about Anthony McDonald tip and Woody guys? What do you think of him? I'm mean, I him on Friday night um, against the Lions and he had zero impact and for a guy he's good at, he's good at handballing the ball off instead of kicking the first goal <laughs> stitched me up a few times but no I, I, I agree it's, when he's on and he's impacting so like he had that game against North Melbourne was it last year or the year before where he pretty well single handedly won it for him but then he has games like Friday night where he just doesn't touch it yeah like I reckon the last couple of weeks he hasn't had much of the footy but when he does like he just creates so much um, like against the Crows. He, he was real good because it just creates that energy. Um, yeah. But when he's off, he's off, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. I think that's probably, I would say for me, his biggest knock would be his, there's too much difference between he's um, really good and he's really bad. Like the good players in the comp, you know, when they have an off night, they can still make an impact. Well, he has an off night. He might as well not even be there. Yeah. I think yeah. if you're an opposition coach, you, you're going to put a bit of work into him because you know the influence he potentially could have. And um, you know, we obviously put some work into him on Friday. Was not, uh, yeah, no Answorth went to him and completely shut him out of the game. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure who the Bombers have got next, but I'd, I'd certainly be putting somebody straight to Anthony McConnell. You know you're not yeah. in good form if Noah Answorth can shut you down. So, Mate, Noah Answorth doesn't get beaten. Right Who's on. Noah Answorth? 
Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I actually, I, I thought his name doesn't isn't there an Ainsworth that plays for his Gold Ben, Coast? ben yeah. Ainsworth. This is Noah oh, Ainsworth. Yeah. Okay. Got right. kind of technicality, but my <laughs> biggest thing with the footy at the moment is I just don't know who's good and who's not. Like, obviously, you have the Bulldogs that come. I out can tell you who's not. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'll tell you what. Noah Ainsworth to be in the middle for the Crows. Anyway, let's move right along. Um, the Bulldogs. <laughs> the Bulldogs. A couple of weeks in a row, they play well. Richmond, a couple of weeks down. Then they come out and smack them. Melbourne, they look like they're starting to finally come good. Then they get rolled. Carlton start to win a few games in the trot. Um, always in it close. Then Hawthorne come out of nowhere. Essendon, North Melbourne beat the Crows. But I know it's the Crows, but they've been like 10 goals. Luke McDonald, for goodness sake, had six, uh, 35 touches. Like, just so up and down. Richie, it's hard to get Richie, a read. you could get 35 touches against the Crows, mate. I wouldn't have thought, but... I don't know. I just think it's just so hard to read. And this is why we're introducing a new segment later in the podcast. Um, I'm a bit nervous to place any head-to-head bets because, um, yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's like just one of those years, like if you're off at, um, in any game, then you can get beat by anyone except for probably one of two teams who are playing this coming weekend, the Crows and Melbourne battle for mm. the spoon. Well, that was what was supposed to be this week. I always thought North Melbourne had the ability there like to play good footy. They proved that at the start of the year. But they still don't have Cunnington um, either. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, Siebel. I don't, I don't rate North. Um, I don't rate them, but they do have good players out. Yeah, I think their list is a bit better than a couple on the other sides. Success um, story, Majak back as well. I really like to see that. He yeah, it was good. A few good marks. Yeah, I'm not convinced on the Bulldogs. Sorry, just what you said about the Bulldogs before. Yeah. I'm not convinced of that. Yeah. Well, I, I had them for top four a few weeks back, but they've been bloody ordinary suits. I mean, they're so a bit like McDonald, Tip and Woody, just the best and the worst. There's a big gap in between. Yeah, I think um, yeah, they're going to be one of those mid-range teams that's going to in the battle come finals time. Just just before we move on to, to Clarko, another one, like Collingwood. Like, they just start to hit a few their strides again, win a couple of games. Then Penderbury's out late and they get pumped by 10 goals last week. Like, it's just so hard to get a read. Was but, that the first game that Penderbury and Sidebottom hadn't played, hadn't played yeah, hadn't together played, or something like that? Yeah, since 2009, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. That's an interesting yeah, start. Yeah, I, if you... Like, sides are going to have flat, flat days and flat games. Like, yeah, it's We'll come out of ours soon. <laughs> yeah. 2023. Like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to Clarko now. Um, does he have too much power uh, in the AFL? Do you, what do you think, lads? I, I think he's, I just think, like, it just frustrates me because, like, they beat Brisbane in round, round one and then obviously there was the massive gap layoff and then they come back and then they have that stinker against um, Geelong. And then they're, they're getting absolutely written off by everyone. And then the next week they come out and win. And then the same things happen. They played ship footy and they come out and they beat um, Carlton on the weekend who are playing, playing good footy in good form. I just don't think it's fair to, to write teams off like they do. Um, and oh, I the Clark, media is shocking for it. And I think, but yeah. I, think, I think Clarko's got the runs on the board. Like, I don't know. That's just media, Yeah. He's going to be there, you know, for, for however long he wants. You know, I mean, I mean, if it comes down to Clark or Kennan, I think Clarko wins. Um, he's, yeah, like you say, he's got the runs on the board. As far as influence goes, you know, does, should he be you know, pushing some of the rules that he wants to change and that sort of thing? Well, that, or no. it's probably more comes down to the AFL. Should the AFL be listening to one man and exactly changing it off that? So uh, I thought the umpiring was actually pretty pretty consistent before he brought that up, and now it's yeah. all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's not him though. It's all coaches in the AFL have too much power over the AFL. Um, you know, they basically say what they want. Um, the AFL jumps, and then it's changed the very next week. Like they should have all the power they want at Clubland. Like ultimately, that's their job. Do what you want at your own club, but let the AFL run the competition. And then if you want to say something, you know, say, say it behind closed doors. Even the Nothing. rule changes, though. Like, yeah. literally everything is done based around what but coaches if, would do. So, if you implement a rule change, then they're, they're just going to work figure around, out a game plan around. to work around it. And it's yeah. just all intertwined. Like, yeah. But it's because it gets, because they say at a press conference, media jump on it. So, everyone's looking for it. Where 
I'd be interested to know if he says that to them, they still make that rule change, but it's behind closed doors, whether anyone would notice it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's looking for it, so they, so they see it. Where if they're not looking for it, you're probably not going to be um, as noticeable as before. But do you think coaches do it as a bit of theatre to take the, the pressure off players? Maybe. Oh, absolutely, and the pressure for off sure. the club. I mean, the, the whole thing with Papley, you know, that was that was ridiculous for him to come out and say that he you know, goes down pretty easy. And James Frawley's just come and smashed him in the back. He didn't see it coming, and of course he's going to go to the ground. So yeah, it's just so a, bit of de- a bit of deflection away from all performances. And that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, that Clark, but just back on Clarkson, I think he's definitely still got it. Like he proved that on Friday night. Like we were flogging him in the first quarter. Um, in game, he makes a few tweaks defensively behind the football and they kick 10 goals to nothing or whatever it was and totally win the game. Like he's definitely got the ability to coach. It's just... I think he should just keep his mouth shut sometimes. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, let's move into our Build Your Ultimate Football section. It's one of my favourite uh, segments of the show, fellas. So moving on to tackling this week. Just before we get started, I just wanted to mention some of our socials suggestions. We had Matt Barnett on Instagram, uh, Jude Bolton for tackling. This is a yep, nice one. Oh, I, yeah. Little subtle one there. Very Isn't he the, hasn't he got the most tackles? I think that's contested possession. Contested no, I reckon, reckon Prentice does. Oh. Yeah, contested possessions. Jude Bolton had 32 in a game once. So, yeah, right. um, contested beast and obviously tackling goes hand in hand with that. Um, we also had Tom Orndra on Instagram. Matt Thomas, bit of a port nuffy for mine, Tommy. But um, <laughs> uh, we also... Who's Matt Thomas? Yeah, I'm yeah, just wondering the played, same thing. He played for Richmond as well. Nord boy. Um, and you got Daniel Joyce nominating himself and Andrew Rogers. So, oh, turn it up. Andrew Rogers, by the way, I've heard he's been putting on an absolute clinic in the C grade at Houghton. Um, double Guernsey's putting himself up on the wing to get a stat. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not, not sure about that, fellas. But yeah, let's move into the serious ones now. Yeah. You go first, Nico. Seen you stole mine. No, well, come on, mate. First <laughs> in best dress, mate. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of great tacklers out there, boys, as we know. Simon Black, Brett Kirk. Um, Tony Liberatore back in the day. Um, I think one of the other suggestions on there, Mitch, on, on the uh, socials was big Shane Mumford. Um, yeah, the sausage. Oh. Yep. Love to mummify a few blokes. Um, I'd hate to be tackled by that bloke. Oh, mate. <laughs> He'd kill you. Um, for me, though, I've got uh, Lenny Hayes, who you know, was one of the – just he was just a workman-like footballer, just one of the hardest footballers getting around. I mean, people remember him for that, that tackle on, I think it was Eastern Wood against the Bulldogs. Um, a few years back, it was just you know, stopped him in his tracks and um, didn't look like he was going to get near him and just managed to take him down. But he, he, he had an absolute belter as well against uh, Collingwood in the 2010 grand final, the first grand final on Dane Swan. It was very similar, but he did it with one arm. And he's actually wrapped the bloke up and just slammed Spondy to the ground. It was a huge tackle. Um, you know, Lenny Gunny averaged five a game, but he would have had a field day in, in today's competition where there's a lot more blokes around the footy and it's a lot more congested. I think Lenny's average would have bumped up a bit more. So he's the man for me. It's interesting, yeah. like, because he's universally loved and you hear Ross Lyon mm. talk about him. Like, someone that, like, obviously no one likes to be tackled, but he he's a, a hard footballer and a tough customer, but then he's still loved by everyone. I think everyone just appreciates the way he plays. So he's just, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think he's got that nice guy image as well. You know, he's, he's not a dickhead out in the footy field or anything like that, so... Yeah, well, he like, got Hall of Fame, obviously, this year. And, like, in his highlights package, there was a fair bit of tackling in that. And they yeah. were, like, brutal tackles. Did it, did it have the um, the bump that Archer did on him and he got straight back yeah. up in his first yeah. game? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was That's on huge. both of his interviews. And, uh, yeah, just popped straight back up, as yeah. Dennis Committee would say, like a cork in the ocean. Cork in the ocean. <laughs> um, all right, so I... Like Lenny Hayes as well, but that's obviously gone. So I'm going to go for a guy that was renowned for his tackling um, in Matt Prittis. Um, so just purely on a numbers basis, really. Um, so he's in the top 20 tackles uh, three times. So in a 2011, 15 and 16, um, he's got the second most in a game. Uh, sorry, in a season of 193, which is in 2011. Um, surprisingly, though, he in his Brownlow year, which was 2014, that wasn't one of his years that he sort of had all these tackles. 
20,014. Yeah, that's a, that's a long way off. <laughs> yeah. Give us a break, man. I'm working on about three hours sleep. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I thought he won a, a brown low just purely tackling. Um, but 2014 wasn't one of the years that he sort of topped the chart. So, interesting. That's my oh, I like it. Yeah, Prithis was, yeah. I mean, severely underrated for what he did at West Coast. He was in an underman. Um, you know, that 2014 season was was brilliant. Um, mm. yeah. He kind of come out of nowhere to win it, really. Like, everyone like rates him as a oh, good player, sure. but I don't think people sort of thought he was a, of the Brownlow medal ilk. So to speak. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Like, he doesn't do anything eye-catching. He was an accumulator more than anything else. Well, Tom, Tom Mitchell was a bit the same as well. So, there's you know, history there with guys like that winning it. Yeah, so uh, going back on what we said before, um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody was one that I suggested, but I, I, I just don't think he does it. Like when he does it, it's really um, spectacular. Spectacular, but he just doesn't do it enough, I guess. Um, yeah. West Coast, Elliot Yo, I really like him as well. He's tough. Uh, Liam Shields from really uh, from Hawthorne. He's a good tackler. He's a good tagger. And then I also thought about Byron Pickett, but then I realized he does more bumping than... Yeah, more share for us. But I, the reason I didn't mention it earlier in our social suggestions is because I'm going for the big mummify. So I'm going for Shano Mumford um, for his tackling ability. Much like we said before, I think he averages around five tackles a game, but um, just the impact he has in the center square. Like, literally, you watch him sometimes. He does not care about getting the ball. He just wants to hurt blokes. Yeah, and, um, and five tackles yeah. for a ruckman's extraordinary. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. So, I'm um, locking in the big number five. He's he's very good at being awkwardly clumsy and falling yeah. out of bloke. So, <laughs> who was dropping the knee in and who was the bloke he hit? Was it Mitch Duncan or yeah, Mitch Duncan? Yeah, oh, that he was hit, yeah. He hit Phil Davis when he was at the Crows as well, pretty hard, I reckon. Yeah, right. Back in the day, um, now. when he was at when he was at Sydney, I think. But, yeah, or is that Aaron Sandlin's? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, he does. He's, he's knocked a few blokes out in his time. Definitely. Mm. Uh, all right, fellas. Now a quick word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Nico. How's things, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, buddy. How about yourself? What's new? Well, I'm after a bit of advice, mate. Oh, yeah? What's that? I need an idea for a second date and wanted to know how you wooed your lovely wife. Well, buddy, you've come to the right place, my friend. My suggestion is taking her out for a beautiful picnic with a nice bottle of wine to both enjoy. Oh, yes. That sounds like a great idea. But what wine should I get? Hey, Kempi, I can help you there, mate. You must try a nice drop from O'Leary Walker Wines, located in the Clare Valley and also in our local hills area at Oakbank. Okay, sounds like you know your stuff, Mitch. What's the best way to get their grape juice? You're right, I do know my stuff and their wines are superb. You can hit up their website, o'learywalkerwines.com, browse their great selection of wines and then order online. You can also hit up their social media platform on Instagram and Facebook. But I'm not sure if I'm going past that way. That's fine, mate. Just jump online. You do your order there and they'll deliver to your door. You'll be set for your big date. Yes, that all sounds too easy. I definitely will be hitting up O'LearyWalkerWines.com and purchasing a couple of nice reds. Hey, Kempi, if all goes well on the date and you're lucky enough to get a third, I'd suggest taking her to their cellar door, located in the Clare Valley in Stunning. Have a nice bite to eat and enjoy some of O'Leary Walker Wines finest. Sweet. You guys are the best. And thanks for all your advice. No worries, mate. And good luck. Yes, go well, my friend. And don't forget, O'Leary Walker Wines. Alrighty. Great to have them on board. Absolutely nice drops here from a local... Uh, winery so make sure you check them out uh moving into some different sports now one of my favorite sports basketball the nba is back on um obviously the last couple of weeks we've had a few scrimmages um and the restarts just kicked off in the last few days just interested to hear your thoughts fellas on um obviously 
Phoenix uh, somehow got a gig, Nick, at the bubble. Um, <laughs> and the Jazz, the Jazz with uh, Joe Ingles, Jingle and Joe, uh, your boys, Kempi, um, yeah. up and about. But my thunder are going all right as well. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on how you reckon it'll go. There's been no positive cases um, of coronavirus since they started the bubble, which, yeah. which is Come on, Let's start with the look of it. Like, just have you guys obviously watched some games? Yeah, I've watched it. Yeah, I haven't had the chance yet. I've watched a couple of games. I reckon it looks good as a TV product. And what's really good is like they're playing it in a stadium where there's no seats. Yeah. So it's just a wall, like just walls. So it doesn't take your eyes away from the actual action. Um, I don't know whether I'm a massive fan of the, um, like the virtual crowd, how they've got people. Yeah, it kind of makes you look more at the crowd than at the game. Like, it's yeah, I reckon just yeah, just put some sponsors up there. Like, who gives a flying fuck to be honest? If you're <laughs> on a, in a virtual crowd, same as that. Going way off topic, I bloody hate that the crowd wall. Mega on wall. The football. Yeah, yeah so like give me a spell. Like, yeah, that was alright when it first happened, and now it's yeah, it's, it's just a waste of time. But yeah, so that's probably the first thing I would say is. Oh, it just look. It just looks like a good product. Yeah, I, I agree. And actually, the, like when you're talking about quality products, like I actually think the like obviously the quality of basketball is pretty bloody good. There's 141 days since the last game. Um, mm. Obviously, America is in a bit of a different situation than most of Australia um, with the amount of coronavirus cases happening. Like there was there was a while there where there like you had blokes like I think. Um, Trey Young for Atlanta Hawks. He's saying he didn't shoot a basketball for two months because he's just got nowhere to shoot it. Or he's got his little dinky ring out the front of his house. Mm. Mind you, it's probably a mansion. But, um, you know what I mean? Like, it's actually surprised me, the quality of play. Um, as the well scores as the, have too, which yeah, reflects that. Big scores. Big yep. scores. And I don't know whether... Who, who the hell is TJ Warren? For well, the I was going to bring, bring him up, Kempi, because I've, I've never heard of that. him. And then I woke up to that today, my, mate. <laughs> Flicked up on my feed. I was like, TJ yeah. Warren, 53 points. I was like, who the fuck is I was Warren? devastated, mate. I'm absolutely devastated because he was mate, a Phoenix he's son. he's a scrub. He is not... Like, he's a good scorer. He, he doesn't defend at all. But he doesn't do anything else. He's not a scrub, but, like, in terms of an overall player, he's gonna. He's one of those teams... He's, he, he personifies the Phoenix Suns. Mediocrity. He, <laughs> oh, I'll he, it up. You know, Coming from an gonna, OKC, man. Yeah, well, actually... If you did your homework, you'd know that OKC are the, uh, the most winningest franchise in the last 11 years. We've never won a championship. But we're no the most championships, winningest... mate. So you're mediocre. mediocre. So they like Coming the crows. Is that where you fan. go for them? Coming from a Suns fan. No, anyway. Hey, we are mediocre. Besides, besides the Spurs, my point about the mediocrity is if you got a bloke like TJ Warren on your team, he's going to stop you from being cellar dweller but he's not going to project, propel you to the next level, if that makes sense. Yeah, probably not. But Phoenix is really lacking a, a power forward at the moment and they have for, for a long, long time other than TJ. So, and he was going okay for us. I was a bit surprised when Suns traded I just him. Never heard. I'm not a mass, like, I love my NBA, but I don't follow um, uh, religiously. But yeah, I just never heard of him. It did. <laughs> it did. I pop. And in the same game, obviously we had our boy um, Ben Simmons playing, but, Joel Embiid went for 41 points and 21 yes. rebounds in 34 minutes. Did um, Ben shoot a three? I didn't watch that game. Ben had 19 points and 13 rebounds. Didn't take a three, but, you know, like, I don't mind. Like, as long as he's playing his role well, like, you've obviously got yeah, Tobias nice. Harris and, and the others on the team. But I just think it's really interesting. To, like, I was interested to see how the players would react. Like, no crowd there. So that's probably going to, like, make blokes like TJ Warren excel a bit, you know, like, not less pressure on. Obviously, there's people watching on TV. Um, yeah. But how yeah, was the free throw I, shooting? Uh, how was the free throw shooting? Was it better? Worse? I watched the. I think it'd I be better. The Celtics and Bucks game, and it seemed normal. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. It's a mental yeah. thing with with the free throws. I think like those that are good. The crowd doesn't impact though. Yeah, I guess if it's in a rowdy, rowdy stadium, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting how Zion's only playing 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes yeah. a game. Like, you think they've got eight points. games. They've got eight games to try to get into the playoffs. Like, well, just unleash him. Just let him play. When he played during the regular season before, I know he's got injuries and that sort of stuff, but literally why is the NBA bothered with bringing these eight teams back if 
pretty much everyone thinks the main reason that they've brought it back is so that Zion can actually, you know, be a bit of a money spinner for the NBA and a bit of a showcase. But he's playing like 14 minutes a game. doesn't make sense. But Is there going to be much movement in these games, do you reckon? Like, are they almost... Like, I don't the, think so. The West is pretty well set. Dallas will yes. take seven seed. It's just about so the, these are the last essentially spot. just warm up games with a little bit on them. Yeah, the only one that will potentially might be able to come in is Portland, but they're still a fair way back. And I'd like to see Ja Morant and the Grizzlies in the the playoffs, to be honest. Unless Utah keep losing, stupid pricks. Uh, the Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm off. You can't tell I'm salty from the 2018 playoffs, but um, the Jazz. Yeah. Well. They mustn't be going very well if OKC beat them by as much as they did. Mate, we're fourth seed in the West. So, anyway, moving on I to st- another. I still sport. don't know how that. Sorry, I don't. I still don't know how OKC are fourth seed after the players well, have lost. They've done an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. Shay Gilgis Alexander. Remember the name. That's all I'm going to say on that. Hard to remember his name because it's so freaking long. But he's going to be a Jet. Um, obviously, Stephen Adams in that ball as well. But moving into one of our other favourite sports, obviously. Uh, England and the Windies, the third test um, finished the other day. Um, that series is wrapped up and Shuey Broad, uh, contentious sort of, I don't know. I don't know what I'll, I obviously respect him. He's taken his 500 wickets now in test cricket, but I don't really like him as a bloke, but probably just because I'm an Aussie. But um, what yeah. do you think from the game, fellas? Well, isn't the it, as far as Broad goes, I mean, he's never really excelled outside of England, apart from maybe South Africa. So he's come over here and, and battled. James Anderson's the same. Yeah, very James similar. James Anderson's the same as Stuart Broad. Like, yep. he hasn't done much outside of England. Yep. And, yeah, and you know, haven't really performed on, on the subcontinent either. And that's a big test, I think, for, for all cricketers outside of that area. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, 500 wickets, it's, it's a huge effort. It's a bloody good achievement. Yeah, you've got but, to give him props for 500 wickets. But they basically said what we're saying here um, uh, earlier today on the Sports Sunday. They said, yeah, really good effort. But is he... Um, like one of the greats, like the people that he is, sits around on that list, like a McGrath, Courtney Walsh, Amira Lee, Warney. Yeah. No, not at all. He's, He's a Duke's ball specialist. Give me yeah. Dizzy Gillespie. That's it. That's all you want. But, yeah, we can't really get behind a guy that nicks the ball to third slip and then doesn't yeah. walk. So, yep, He's still part, He was part of Siddle's hat trick, so that's all that matters. That and, nice. and what's to go with a headband? Like, seriously, flog material. Oh, there's like, plenty of them getting around at the moment. Have, Mate, I, don't mind it. I don't mind headbands. Bit of character. I don't mind headbands, but just not on those flogs. Like. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it so just looks ridiculous. Like, what's Jimmy Anderson wearing? It looks like he's got a stocking over his forehead. <laughs> he, like, doesn't even have, he doesn't even have long hair that's going to get in his eyes or anything yeah, like that. So it's just it. It's a fashion yeah. accessory. It's a bit different if you don't have long hair. Let's it's honest. the same with yeah. footballers with like tape around that. You know, if they take the tape off, the hair would get nowhere near their bloody eyes. Yeah. Like... Give me a spell, fellas. What about Big Rakeem? Oh, oh, big Rakeem's catch. Did you see that catch? <laughs> I think it woke the big fella up at first slip. <laughs> he's edged it and he's going, oh, shit, stuck the hand out. And, it's like, and then Look, the ball looked like a little marble in his hand, though. I think he was thinking about his next feed and all of a sudden, <laughs> bang. <laughs> Whack. I, I yeah. love it. I, I love the fat cricketers. I've got a list here of some of the, the bigger guys. David Boone, obviously, was a, was a bigger oh, boy. Man. Inzi. Big Enzi over in Pakistan, Arjuna Ranatunga, who obviously had um, you know, his run-ins with Ian Healy and he always used to get stuck into him. A very own... Always had Mark, a runner. Yeah. <laughs> a very own Mark Cosgrove. Who, oh, um, yes. Fatty McFatfat. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Big Dwayne Leverock that played for Bermuda oh, I was in the just World gonna Cup mention, I was just going to mention Big Dwayne. Oh, what a great screamer too. Dwayne Leverock. Look that up, mate. It's hilarious. Never heard of him. For Bermuda, he played in the World Let's Cup. Have, oh, yep, 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 get, yep. Hang on, I'm just getting his. Uh, I'll read you some of his Wikipedia page. Here we go. All right, so 127 kilos. <laughs> Who's this, Rakeem or the other guy? <laughs> no, Big Dwayne Levrock, slow left arm orthodox, 127 kegs playing international cricket. Heaviest man to ever play international cricket. I might sneak over to Bermuda and see if I can get myself a game ball. <laughs> I love it. It's great to see. I mean, you see a little bit of it in baseball, don't you? In the major league, there's some of those big guys with the big bellies and, you know, they're just there to just hit, you know, power hit the ball. But it's, it's strange that, I mean, these guys are both off spinners. They're not, well, not Rakeem, in there for their power Rakeem's, hitting or anything. Rakeem's 196 centimetres tall as well. Or 198, yeah. oh, sorry. So he's six foot six. Yeah. But 
to be honest, like, I love that he's in the side, but why the hell is he in the side? Like, he Mate, took 13 no wickets. wickets. 13 he wickets took, at 35 in three tests. He took no wickets in this test. Batted at, like. batted at nine <laughs> and ten. And bowls like door Don't, openers. Yeah. Nuts. Like, absolute nothing on him. Like, just trundles in off three steps. And has to field at first slip. Like, I don't know. I Props to him for... Um, he doesn't really there. scream athlete, does he? <laughs> like, no. But, but, oh, hang on, hot dog eatings, they consider those guys athletes. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, I love the fact that they actually went over there, um, took a bit of a punt, I suppose, made cricket happen in that test series. So well done to the Windies for actually going over there and getting something done. And they seem to be on the way up, which I like. Absolutely. Now, what about netball, fellas? Suncorp Super Netball started uh, this weekend. You had some thoughts you wanted to bring up, Nico? Oh, I'm going to get stuck into the Thunderbirds because I just had a look back through their history. And ever since they changed their colours from blue to pink back in 2011, bar 2013 where they won the actual championship, they've been absolutely terrible. They didn't finish outside the top three from 97 to 2010. I was back when Mark Ango was running the show and um, she's obviously Thank a super Mark. coach. Um, they've won six games in the past four seasons. This is a team that has... What's going on wrong with South Australian fucking sports? I'll tell you what. Well, this team's escaped the, the spotlight, I think, compared to what the Crows are copying at the moment. Oh. Well, and, and the and the like the South Australian Sheffield Shield team. Like, give me a give me something. Throw me a bone, South <laughs> Australia. Yeah, last year they copped a fair bit of flack, like the Thunderbirds, and obviously um RC coach. So what about Adelaide yeah. United? I don't really follow soccer, but are they any good? They're okay. I think they're they're around the mark for, for the playoffs, but yeah. I mean, they won the title a couple of years ago, so they've probably been one of our most successful teams over the past decade. Yeah, I used to be a Thunderbird supporter, but I'm off them now because they dropped our local girl, Kelly Altman. They gave her the flick, and then she's um, popped up and got a gig at the Collingwood Magpie, so I'm on the Magpie. Yeah, I'm on the Magpie bandwagon this year. You've got to support your local talent. So uh, they played this afternoon, so hopefully she gets a gig somewhere in the midcourt there. Um, really deserves it. Works super hard. Um, so, but I think it'll be a pretty even competition and it'll be exactly the same as the football. Like they've moved up to a Queensland hub. They yeah. were going to go New South Wales, Queensland. Um, it'll be the team that adapts to that the best, um, but also adapts to the new rules. So do you, So they've got the two, two goal super shot. Have you heard that one? Yep. I yeah. Like so, so yeah, I think it's amazing. Like I was watching a game um, this afternoon and, yeah, so the last five minutes of each quarter, they can go for big bombs. Like, it's, I suppose there was just a lot of criticism around it because they dropped it so late. So, like, your good in-close, under-the-post goalies are like, hang on a second, you've created this rule almost um, to their, you know, disadvantage, I suppose. It takes their element out a bit. It will and it won't. I think it'll sort of open up the circle a little bit for them as well, potentially, if if you're going to have to defend a lot harder on, on those girls that are out outside the circle, yeah. it's going to have a little bit more space for them to move around in as well. The thing yeah. that intrigued me uh, probably the most about the netball was I heard on the radio that um, pretty sure they're playing the whole season in one one burst, aren't they? They're trying to, it's a, I think it's a few less games, but aren't they knocking it off in about nine weeks? Uh, sure. I've actually looked at the fixture. I only looked at this week's stuff. Pretty sure, so. pretty sure from what I can gather, they're in a hub for nine weeks and they're smacking out the whole season. And we talk about the AFL players and how they get, like the AFL are basically funding the families to go up and live. They're by themselves. They've got no family up there. Um, obviously, mm. Nepal are Not as much money. Yeah, pay money but, less. but it'll be interesting. Like, you obviously, two different ends of the spectrum. It's really shortened season, almost like footy mania, but just nine weeks of it and getting the netball smashed out. But, yeah, that's what I'm most interested in. Yeah, for sure. But we'll keep an eye over it for our uh, um, netball fans out there, our netball listeners. I'm interested to see what the shooting accuracy is going to be like without crowds. Same as like your um, your foul shots and your goal kicking in the AFL. Like whether that, obviously they're all pretty well dead eye dicks anyway. But um, mm. just it just see if that gets a little bit of a bump with no pressure of the crowd. I'm yeah. um, in tight games. But yeah, let's see. Go the Magpies. Yeah. Now what Never about? <laughs> I'm not a real uh, round ball soccer fan, but uh, I believe a pretty good story might be emerging um, over in England, Nico. 
yeah, Brentford are um, on the verge of securing a spot in the EPL, the Premier League, for, for the first time in, I think it's 73 years. Um, so oh, it's pretty that is Sorry? That is impressive. Yeah, well, it's a pretty remar- remarkable story. So they play Fulham, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, um, essentially to try and lock up a spot. They just narrowly missed out on, on an automatic qualification, which would have taken them straight into the, um, into the Prem, but they play Fulham now. Um, and they get to play that game at Wembley too. So it's a massive game for the club. But they were in League Two back in 2009. So that's essentially the fourth division. So you get the Premier League, Championship, League One and League Two. So only a decade ago, they were you know, pretty well no one. And uh, they worked their way back up with an attacking game style. And they've got a new stadium that they're going to play in next year. So you know, fingers crossed for, for them that they can work their way up in, into the Premier League. We'll follow that closely for sure. And that's a bit like um, is it Le- Leicester City. A couple of when years ago. A couple of years ago, yeah, that was came huge. from nowhere as well. So there are some success stories, and we always love that. So let's make this the first and last time we ever talk about soccer. <laughs> Can't stand it. <laughs> Sorry, nice the soccer story. fans out there. It's a nice little story, Kevy. <laughs> yeah, but it's about soccer, so who cares? <laughs> All right, now introducing a brand new segment to the podcast, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, multi-mania. So each fortnight we're going to each choose a leg. So Kempi, Dillo and myself will choose a leg um, and then we're going to back it as a $10 multi. Um, we're not really sure what we're going to do yet with the winnings. So we're going to throw it out to our valued listeners with some suggestions of what we should do. Um, so stay tuned on the socials and we're really keen to hear your feedback on where we should uh, put the money or what we should do with it. All right. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, far away, Mitchy. Yep, shoot. All right, so now before I finish, don't abuse me about the teams that are involved, but Crows v Melbourne coming up. Oh, God. So <laughs> it's probably is, one of the worst games on the schedule. But No, this is great because you actually picked me something and this is going to make me watch that game. Otherwise, I've got zero reason to watch it. Yeah, well, obviously the Crows have been terrible and Melbourne are just always terrible. So I'm uh, looking at the total points market for the game. Um, and at the moment, it's under, under over, 20 points. It's under over 110 and a half. 110 and a half. And as we've seen, the Crows on a good day can't score 50 points and neither can Melbourne. So um, that's at $2.66. So I'm taking the under, um, under 110.5 points for the Crows-Melbourne game. That's my leg. Yep, I like it. I reckon that's a pretty good. safe bet. Let's, let's have a little bit of rain. When's that? That is on, on Wednesday. Yeah, and it's at Adelaide Oval too, and it's supposed to be a bit. It's supposed rainy to be rainy this week, Wednesday, Thursday. So. Yeah, come on the rain. I like that. Um, so me next. Okay, so I'm going to go with my team that I'm sort of liking watching at the minute, um, and it's a little bit of a tactical bet as well. Um, so I'm going to go St Kilda to beat Geelong on Monday, the 10th of August, um, which is round 11, I think, um, by 25 plus. I think St Kilda are travelling pretty well at the moment. It's third v sixth. What um, I suppose enticed me into this bet was the fact that Geelong are coming back from um, WA Hub over to the Gabba. St Kilda are sort of already, you know, they don't have to travel as far. And I just... Don't think Geelong are as good as what everyone thinks they are. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Geelong are, you know, they're going to have good games because they've got the talent there, but um, yeah, they're certainly not. I think they're a top four side this year. Yeah, so I think 25 plus you'll get around. Well, they're probably, I'm not sure if St. Kitt will be the favourite. They haven't released the odds yet, but I think you'll probably get around the $3, $3.50 mark, I reckon. Yep. That's good, mate. So I've gone uh, with Lockie Neal to up 30-plus disposals against Richmond this Tuesday night. He's already averaging 28. Picked up 51 against Richmond last year in round 23. And I don't I don't think the Tigers have a tagger that's going to go to him. I mean, for a smart smart coach, he probably would put somebody at least to, at the uh, clearances. But, you know, yeah. The only one I can think of is McIntosh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I can't see him stopping Neil there. No. Nah, another another DeBoer type, type tagger. Real, real lockdown. Yeah. So I think... Um, not sure what the odds will be on that because they haven't released those yet. But yeah, there hasn't been too many 30-plus games. But he's been one guy who has achieved that a couple of times this year. 
But uh, yeah. yeah, look him in for a big uh, night, boys. Love that. So we'll summarise that and we'll put it out on our socials during the week. So make sure you you jump on with us and uh, let us know where we should put the winnings um, if we can actually win one. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to hear from Ricky Chicken Tutu Nixon, the agent of the stars, former St Kilda player. We were really wrapped to have him on the show. Um, and we'll cross to him now. We're very lucky enough to be joined now by a, a bona fide uh, AFL star and manager to the stars, a man who played 51 games for St Kilda, four for Carlton and eight for Hawthorne, but it's probably best known for what he did in the 90s in, in uh, becoming a player manager, player manager to the stars, names like Ablett, Dunstall, Lockett and Carey. Here's, of course, the one and only Ricky Nixon. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, mate. It's an honour to be on with the bearded boobless. I've heard a lot of things about you, blokes, and I've heard that if I tell some funny stories, your beards might actually drop off. So we'll wait and see. <laughs> the bearded boobless, I like that. <laughs> so, so tell us, mate, what was it like managing some of those high-profile guys back in the, in the 90s? Because I imagine they would have come with some pretty big egos, and but uh, would have been, been an amazing experience, I'd imagine. Yeah, I guess it's sort of taken to literally the last couple of years for me to reflect. I don't know why you probably, when you're in the mode of working all the time, you don't really think about, you know, perhaps what's been achieved or, you know, who you're managing and what great players they were. I probably shouldn't say what great players they were. I certainly knew they, knew they were. But as I'm getting older and I'm getting closer to the ton, um, I guess you just sort of reflect a bit and see things on YouTube of how good of players they were. And just, I think it's got a lot to do with what I think of today's footy, which is absolute crap watching yep. it and you know you look back on Ablett's marks and Carey's you know bullying influence of winning games just outstanding you talk, spoke about the stars what about like you've had a successful career as a sport agent obviously after your footy career so like a new draftee that comes into the system um what's their sort of process in getting a player manager Oh, look, it's changed a lot. I mean, back when I, I was, you know, in the heyday, I suppose, you'd pretty much go and collect any good player you, you wanted to, probably because of the calibre of players I had on the list. But these days, it's a lot of sell. It's a bit of a con job, I reckon. Some agents offer up stuff that they shouldn't be offering up, you know, uh, that they'll lease a car for a draft pick until he gets drafted, then they can pay you back and things like that. It's quite incredible what I'm hearing about some of the activities of some agents. But, um, you know, it, it also, too, there's a lot of interference these days from outside the player. Um, and what I mean by that is you get coaches, junior coaches, you get siblings, brothers, sisters, and everyone wanting to have their say, and they're all experts on it all. So it's not an easy caper anymore. And, you know, the game's changed, and it's going to change a lot in the next, next 12 months because the money's going to dry up, and it's going to be half of what it was. How, how did you get into it, mate? Because, I mean, obviously you had relationships with some of those players, like, like a Tony Lockett from playing with him at St Kilda. But what made you decide to go, well, I, I want to represent these guys and get the best deal for them? Uh, yeah, look, at the time I was working with an athlete, uh, Michelle Baumgartner, who um, kept coming to work every Monday. I was a phys ed teacher at Kerry Grammar, a pretty prestigious private school here in Melbourne. And um, she'd come to work every Monday saying that she'd been promised this Mercedes-Benz or promised this sponsorship. And I sort of kept laughing about how it, how they'd never happen and it can't be that hard. And just went, at that stage, there was no players earning any money off the field, none, you know. And um, and there's a guy called Michael Jordan, who I thought was a reasonable basketballer in America, <laughs> signing deals for a million dollars with Nike. I thought, God, why can't we do that in Australia? And then when I went overseas and looked at all of this and came back, a, young, a guy came to me and um, said he had his brother, whose name was Wayne Carey. He reckons he was going to be the greatest player of all time. I said, yeah, yeah whatever, sign him up, see how we go. He turned out all right, I reckon. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Um, it's you're a pretty high-profile guy, and you've you know a lot of high-profile people. So obviously, Warwick Kappa, Sam Newman, we sort of just see what they're like in the media, I guess. Um, what are they like? They you obviously know them pretty well. Yeah, look, I think it's amazing. The last probably three or four weeks doing a number of podcasts, the same two people get asked about. And, uh, <laughs> they couldn't be they couldn't be more chalk and cheese. Um, I love them both. They're great great friends of mine, and. You know, look, Warwick's Warwick's Warwick. Everything you see about Warwick is exactly what he is. He's a very funny man. And people forget there's only 16 players in the history of the game who have kicked 100 goals, and he's one of them. So people can sometimes forget what an outstanding player he was, and they get caught up more in the funny character. And there's not too many blokes I know who survived 27 years on the speaking circuit. You're probably lucky if you get one, maybe three years out of it when you retire. Unless you're actually in the news. And he's got a great habit of being in the news every three or four weeks for something. <laughs> so I've got to give him credit for that. And Sam, look, Sam's a very smart, intelligent guy. Speaks his mind. And in today's 
world. You know, I know myself for the last eight weeks I've got off Twitter because, you know, you only have to have one glass of wine, say something stupid and everybody's on your back and everything else. So, you know, um, Sam's been through a little bit of hell in the last month over the racism stuff. Um, perhaps if he had his time again, he mightn't have said what he said. But at the end of the day, that's Sam. And, um, you know, I like people who perhaps say what they say, but sometimes you've got to bite your tongue, I suppose. Isn't it funny, though, some of the, the media crying out for personalities, but they're the first ones to jump down their throats when they actually have an opinion? Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's what annoys me about some of the AFL coverage at the moment. It's all clickbait stuff. It's all set up. I mean, if people really think that the Channel 9 classified footy show is realistic arguments between these people, you're kidding yourself. They make this all up in the green room before they come out on stage. You know, whether it's Eddie Maguire versus Caroline Wilson or Matthew Lloyd, it's just a setup. It's just clickbait to try and get audience and attention. And the fact that the game's commentaries come to this is, I think, laughable. Uh, I listened to you on the Sacked podcast earlier in the year, and I think you explained how you got your nickname, Chicken. Do you mind yeah. um, <laughs> just enlightening our listeners? Well, it's funny you should say that because my missus, Melissa, who's just sitting to the right of me now, actually brought this back up again on last Friday night. She said, well, order some Uber Eats. I'll order you a hamburger with the lot. I said, no, I can't eat it. She's gone, why? And so going back to 1981 at Carlton when I was 18 years old, and after training, they ordered 43 hamburgers with a lock. I started to eat mine with a knife and fork. And Wow Jones, a big ruckman who's an absolute character, said, what are you doing? I said, I can't eat it like that. I've got a small mouth. I can't fit it in. He goes, oh, chicken lips. So he called me chicken lips. And after about three weeks, the word lips got dropped and it's just been chicken. And it's annoying to this day that my son's text me, hey, chicken, mate, how are you? I go, hey, it's dad, all right? Stop calling me bloody chicken. But it's one of those names. I don't know. It's, it's even Rex Hunt said to me the other day, does anyone call you Ricky? I said, no, no one. Um, so when the missus bought a hamburger with a lot last Friday, I thought, you watch. So I ate it with a knife and fork. And she said, what are you doing? I said, hey, it's chicken. It's chicken. Chicken lips. good. <laughs> Awesome. Now, now, Ricky, obviously you have a number of people. People see the public side of uh, you know, the media side of you, the way the media like to portray you, but they don't see a lot of the things that you do behind the scenes. Um, you've got a couple of causes that are dear to your heart. I believe kicking with cancer is one of those, and you're providing some face masks as well for um, the people around Melbourne. And it's a you know, pretty troubling time. Yeah, it's, um, well, the kids cancer thing. So I was helping some footballers that in their 20s that were dealing with cancer, and it became pretty dear to my heart and heartbreaking that one in particular. You know, he got it in the throat, then he got it in his testicles, then he got it in his lungs, and he's just a ripper guy. And, you know, I just decided that day that, you know, it's not about you, you, you all the time. Well, sorry, me, me, me. It's about others. And you got to, you know, it's amazing if you actually help others how it comes back to repay you down the track. And I don't mean in money terms. I mean, just in seeing that they actually are in remission just inspires me at how courageous these people are with cancer. So then I met a couple of kids. One was nine years old, Jack Titer in uh, Brisbane had brain cancer, was, wasn't given long to live. Um, Barrick for Hawthorne. I rang Hawthorne Footy Club. They said, leave it with us, Rick. Um, they went and played the next week in Brisbane. They got him in the change room, ran out in the ground with them. Jack's in remission now. And I reckon it's got a lot to do with the inspiration he got from Hawthorne Footy Club doing that. And, you know, Marcus Ponampelli's done stuff for us. Scotty Pendlebury's been absolutely amazing, doing videos for kids with, with cancer and um, yeah, then what happened the last few days is, uh, where is one of them? Because oh, I run a medical business now, we're out selling face masks and um, um, a business store, a charity rather called Launch Housing. Well, I didn't know who they were at the time and they basically look after homeless people um, mm -hmm. and people in that crisis. And they're a mass, they've started in 1964. They're not a new charity. Um, so we ended up donating 500 to them. I'm about to drop off six cartons of uh, 60 in the next hour as well to them because I just believe that we're all always focused on us, us, us. What about these poor people lying in the streets and everywhere else who can't get a face mask and are subject to an unhygienic situation day in, day out? They're the people we should be focusing on, not the lucky people who live in a healthy environment at the moment. All right, that was our chat with Ricky Nixon, funny bloke, um, and he also does a lot for the community and uh, some of his fantastic causes. So we're wrapped to have him on the show. Uh, now, Nico, it's time to move into Nick's list. All right, Mitchie. Thank you for that. Uh, this week, I've decided, I've decided to go for a list that's um, going to be a little bit controversial. Um, I'm going for top five overrated footballers. and. When I say overrated, uh, over the past 20 years, you know, the modern era type thing. Yeah. Um, 
And the reason it is a, the past 20 years is because it's, it's not so much that the player themselves is, to, to, is at fault here. It's more the commentators and, and the media and the way they hype some of these players up. Um, every player in my list is a, is a terrific player, but the commentators have this knack of you know, building them up and, and uh, making them out to be something they're not on, on occasion. So, um, so it's not necessarily a knock on, on the players, but more so get built up around them. So um, we'll get straight into it. So number five, I've gone with Jake Stringer, uh, who had one good year for the Bulldogs and really yeah. has done none a lot since. Um, obviously, Brian Taylor's wrapped him up as the package, but you know, realistically, you know, he's, he's a burst player who hasn't achieved a lot um, in, his, in his time in the game so far. In saying that, he did have a good start to this year before he got syndesmosis in the ankle. Yep. Um, yep, but I do fair. tend to agree. He has been probably overhyped as being one of the best in the comp where he's a de- great player, don't get me wrong, but I just think he's overrated, like you said. Yeah, at his best, he's all right, but he's too much up and down and too much in and out. Like he, his, his body's not right all the time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's sort of applies the same for my next guy. Number four, I've got Nick, Nick Natanui. Obviously, we spoke about him earlier. Um, yeah, that's does, the, the, he does some amazing things. But, but where's the consistency from Nick Nat? You know, yeah. the, the commentators obviously love it. And you can, you can sort of see why, because when he does do those amazing things, like the big pack marks or some of the huge tackles or just you know, dropping it down the throat of some of those players, it's, it's unbelievable to watch. But he is consistent. Like he he just can he consistently wins the hit outs and hit outs to advantage and that's his job. So yeah, but what, why? But if okay, so if you're picking a ruckman, though, he doesn't get because he doesn't take twenty marks or he doesn't get heats of touches. Like that's not his job. If you're picking a ruckman, though, are you going to go Nick Nat or are you going to go Grundy? I'm going Nick Nat. Really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, oh. Grundy. That there's stats with Grundy that says his hit outs don't go to advantage and Collingwood don't make use of it. Yeah, but it's what else he does offers around the ground as well with Grundy. Nick Nat's just, yeah, too hit and miss for me. Anyway, no, he's number four. Disagree. <laughs> number three, you're probably going to disagree with this one too. Dustin Martin. I think Dustin oh, is massively no. overrated. Oh, no way. Dustin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dustin Martin overrated. Are you still he drunk, was... mate? <laughs> he had one good year, 2017. Oh. A year that he, he probably shouldn't have even won the Norm Smith. So you can take that one away from him. He should have went to Basher Hawley. He shouldn't have won the Norm Smith. Dustin, but doesn't Martin, matter. Dustin Martin has, doesn't have an attacking, uh, sorry, defensive bone in his body. If you're going to be rated in the late mid. I suppose Nat Fife does or? Well, he's not my list, but no, he probably doesn't. But Lockie yeah. Neal doesn't defend. Disagree, but he, he tackles a lot more than those two previous guys you just said, but he doesn't defend at all. He just pushes forward. He does his own thing. And I know that's Damien Hardwick's plan for him to, to push him forward. But if you're going to be rated as, as an elite mid, uh, I think you've got to at least push back a little bit, have some sort of, some sort of defense, and he has none of it. Yeah. If he lets one goal go through but creates two, you win the game. Yep, yep. But he could also cost you as well. But you know, has, he, has he, he over the last five years, him doing what he's doing? Probably 2018 he did. On a regular you know, he he only averages twenty five touches a game over his two hundred and thirty game career. He's pretty overrated. It's pretty easy to get twenty five touches when you're oh, not, not defending, mate. When you're not Who defending, cares? he hits the scoreboard clearances. No, I'm no, I'm not about that. Overrated. I'll get another Richmond player coming up as well. Alex Rance, number two. Alex yeah. Rance. I, I think Alex Rance is very good at what he does, and that's. Now he's that third man up, um, taking those defensive intercept marks. But you know, if I'm a if I'm a coach, I'm picking a defender that's going, going to be able to do both that and you know, the one on one contest as let well. Let me guess, Harris Andrews. I wasn't going to say Harris, but <laughs> you, you've got this obsession. Was it Noel Bolter, the new Alex Rance? <laughs> yeah, apparently they jumped so. on that pretty bloody quick. It's like seriously, the bloke's played yeah. you know half a good year. Yeah, but give me a Maddie Scarlett or a, a Stephen Silvani any day, somebody that can win one on one contests and. You know, Rant's very good at what he did, but um, not necessarily the best in, in that man-on-man footy. Um, so here's number two. And number one, you might like this one, Mitchie. Number one is Patrick Dangerfield. Mm, Patrick Dangerfield nah. can't kick. Okay. He's a bloke who yeah, just hits a scoreboard. He occasionally hits a scoreboard. He misses a lot of goals as well. Mm. He does. But, but I, Pat, I, Pat, I don't think he's okay. the most overrated in the comp, though. 
if once again, if you want to be an elite midfielder, you've got to be able to use the ball by foot. And Mate, he I does think, not. He burns the football more than anyone that they consider elite. I think Patrick Dangerfield mm. is an elite footballer. I think he's elite at contested football. No doubt about that. Um, and he's hard as a cat's head. All right, I so just, you'd rather you, who'd, who'd you rather, Dangerfield, Fife, or Martin? Um, tough one. Depends on the situation. Depends what other midfielders you got around them as well. None, because you think they're all overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I tend to agree with you just purely because, and it's all, and his goal kicking as well. Set shot yep. goal kicking isn't the best. Um. Yeah. yeah so I've like, got I think, eight I think Dusty, goals this year. Dusty yeah. Martin, like he's a good set shot at goal. Yes, he is. Where he knows what he can do. He plays on, um, and he does hit targets. He's got a really good kick. So um, yeah, well, we'll have to yeah. see what the feedback is. I'd this like, week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I'm looking forward gonna, to that. Actually, this is, is going to be people fired up. I reckon some blokes are going to come out here, mate. Especially oh, well, Dusty Martin. Bring it on. Bring I think there'll be lots of people on your on your boat with. Um, Paddy Dangerfield, I still think he's a good footballer. I think the litmus test might be if you take that guy out of the side, how much worse they'll be. Yeah. That yeah, makes sense. Good. So if you take Dangerfield out of Geelong, are they going to be as bad as what you take Martin out of Richmond? Um, I think, yeah, yeah, with Danger, you, you take him out of the side, Geelong's probably got enough mids to cover him. Mm. Don't they? You know, Mitch Duncan can easily slip in there. There's, there's plenty of other guys. Jeez. Yeah, disrespecting a champion. Anyway, uh, moving along. <laughs> it's time to move into last drink, Skimpy. Yes, last drink. Last drink was at about 4 a.m. Um, for me. <laughs> Uh, it was a nice little nip of port, but what I did consume a hell of a lot of last night was one of my favourite beverages. I want to give them a shout out because obviously they're a massive SA brand, and that's Cooper's and Cooper's Stout. I thought I'd get a nice dark beer in, so falls under the Blackbeard's category. And as the weather's starting to warm up a bit, I'll probably start to wean myself off of the dark ales. Um, but yeah, Cooper's Stout, I'm giving four, and a, um, four out of five Blackbeard's. Um, probably five out of five for taste and drinkability, but it drops a point for mate, how it makes you feel the next morning. So <laughs> and the, the big black slicks on the toilet the next day, yeah. not much fun. <laughs> yes, there might have been a couple of those um, <laughs> this morning, but uh, yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's a nice beer, good SA brand. So get around as many SA brands as you can. You can't beat a good dark beer. So Cooper Stout or Cooper's Dark Ale, ripping beers. Yeah. I suppose also what I love about Cooper's Stout is like I'm a, I like a porter gaff, so a little bit of lemonade or a black and tan, so a bit of beer and um, stout. And I actually developed a new drink during lockdown. I was calling them a stort. So it was um, some stout with a dash of port in there just to give it a little bit of a sweetness. Yeah, right. What's it like? Really good, but they fuck you up pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> good thing about like Cooper's. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You might be saying the same thing, like Cooper Stout's two standard drinks and a stubby, um, and then you add a nip of port into it, and mm. hello, fairies. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The good thing yeah, is, well, with Cooper Stout, is they have it on tap a lot of places as well. So mm. you know, it's pretty easily uh, accessible. I could probably have half of one of those, Kempi, and then I'd be rolling around on the floor. I reckon I'm a bit of a lightweight myself, but. Yeah, yeah. we drunk, uh, we drunk them out out of my pot. I had to restock them for the weekend, so. <laughs> They're going away, going pretty well out there. What's your go-to drink, Mitchie? Like I'm more cruises? of a no, Pacific Ale sort of crafty setup. Um, oh, Stone, yeah. of, Stone of Woods, Little Creatures. I like them. But I don't mind a dark ale. Although all the dark ales that I suggest, Kempi doesn't think are dark ales. So. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> every week I go to re- research that for this. It's not. I'm positive it is not a dark ale. Pour it out, it comes out dark. Yeah, it, but that doesn't make it a dark ale. It does in my book, my friend. Like an IPA, they're super dark and thick, but they're not a dark ale, man. Is it brown or yeah. is it orange? It's black. Black. Yes. Rogers. Tip it out, son. I do. I tip them out. Tip them out into my mouth. 
Every chance I get. <laughs> All right. That's about enough. I reckon we're dribbling a bit of shit here in the end. But um, anything you wanted to mention, fellas, to the crew before we uh, sign off? No. Uh, I'm going to go to the couch, hopefully watch GWS get up by 25-plus into Collingwood 25-plus and drink my winnings again next weekend. Yep, good stuff, mate. I'll, I'll be likewise trying to go to the couch, but I haven't seen my four-year-old all day today, so I reckon I'm going to get swamped by him and yeah, it should be <laughs> interesting dealing with him with a bit of a headache at the moment, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, cool. Last thing I wanted to mention, just some more about this or that polls. Um, so just some interesting ones over the last fortnight that I thought was uh, worth mentioning. Um, Gary Ablett Jr. versus Gary Ablett Sr. So Gary Ablett Jr. polled 72 votes on Instagram and Gary Ablett Sr. polled 59. So we've gone with Junior there from our listeners. I like that. It's interesting. Um, JB and Billy, two uh, two media personalities that are close to our hearts, uh, being Triple M fans. That's 66 votes with Billy Brownless and 41 with Jim. I was oh. also a bit surprised with that one. I'm, I'm more of a Jim man. I'm a Jim man. Um, I'm a Billy man. <laughs> this is... Uh, uh, more heading a bit on a different direction, but a bit of hip-hop. Uh, Tupac and Biggie, 59 votes each, 50-50. Tupac or Tupac? Depends if you call him by his stage name, which is Tupac, or if you call him by his first name, which is Tupac. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anyway. enough about those guys. <laughs> All right. And last one was crisps and chips. So, obviously, you've got your your Smith's crinkle cut or whatever, but then you got your hot potato chips. 116 votes to the chips. Of course. And not 19 votes to the crisps. But now, Kempi and I are going to have to protest coming up soon because we need a potato list on Nick's list. In my yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. look at it in the next coming. Hit it up on <laughs> socials. What, what do you like? There's potato products. There's thousands of them. Nick doesn't let believe us. Let us know. Just flood his account. <laughs> <laughs> Just photos of potatoes. Potato bake. Hot potatoes, potato gems, wedges. Get around them. All right. I think we're still driven a bit of shit here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's wrap it up. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for listening and supporting us as you always do. Be sure to give us a like on Facebook, a follow on Instagram. Give us a rate on your podcast app and uh, just subscribe to our podcast to make sure you get it coming into your feed each, uh, each fortnight. So be a legend and grow a beard. You've been listening to The Bearded Triplets. Make sure you find the team on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Bearded Triplets. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review the show on any platform you stream for your podcast. Thank you very much for listening on behalf of Mitch, Kempe and Dillo. We'll see you next time.